We are thrilled today that Bishop Matt Thomas and his wife Marlene are here. We were together in Michigan for a gathering in February, and I said, I know we're really not on the way to anywhere, but would you consider coming and speaking at our church? And he was like, yes, invite me. And so uh, uh, Matt has been, uh, besides Bishop, for uh, the last many years, he has also been a church planter and a missionary and a pastor. And so it really is an honor for us to have him come and talk to us about the global church. And uh, today at the dinner, he'll be talking to us about what's going on in uh, the U.S. church. So anyway, please welcome Bishop Matt. It's great to be with you this morning. Praise the Lord. Are you thankful? It's uh, Thanksgiving and uh, you're going to have food later. So that's always a great thing. And and, uh, it's a delight to be with you. I always love coming down here. It's better weather than where we're at up in the Pacific Northwest, um, and it's a lot cooler than where we were last week. I was preaching in uh, Butuan, Philippines, so, and the week before that in Thailand, it was about 100 degrees, so it, this, is a, this feels like a de- delightful difference. It's somewhere in between uh, my home and, and, uh, and where we've been. Uh, thank you. I want to I say thank you for uh, the ministry that you've had to to the global church. You've supported missionaries, you've been, and I've had the opportunity of being with uh, several of those missionaries that you support and on on the field where they work, and we're grateful for that. I know many of you are are, uh, familiar with them, that you write them letters and all of that, so we're grateful. Look, we've got about 15 minutes. I want to just share a couple of things with you, uh, if I can, about uh, kind of tying the the day uh, of Thanksgiving together with the global enterprise and everything that we're doing. Uh, whether you know it or not, you've contributed uh, significantly to the work around the world, and it may be unwitting to you, but uh, it's Thanksgiving Day, and are you thankful? I mean, are you thankful for the, for the Lord? Are you thankful for the person sitting next to you? Well, then say it, okay? Tell them that. And, you know, you can, uh, you can look and, and tell them that you're thankful, okay? If you're not, then just look up, and you're not, uh, you can just do something a little different, but... Uh, Christians are by nature uh, thankful everywhere I go around the world. Uh, I, you know, the very first thing I remember hearing when we were missionaries in the Philippines, I didn't know what the word meant, but uh, I would hear people get up. They would pop up like people did here, and they would say something like this. So, you know, which I didn't know any more than about that, what that meant, than you do right now when I say it. But um, what they were saying at the time was, I am thankful to God for, and in this context, for the full life that the Lord has given all of us in, in him, those of us who believe in him. But I would hear the, the, word, uh, the word thankfulness or thanksgiving there. And it's when you go to Central Africa, it's Asante. When you go to France or the French-speaking countries, it's Merci, right? And it's in some of the, uh, if you go all the way around the world, which is Southern California, you hear gracias a lot. So, uh, you know, we hear uh, the various words in different places. Um, and Kasinkap uh, in, in Thailand, just everywhere. Arigato, uh, Christians get up. They're thankful people, right? You should be thankful because of what God has done in your life. Uh, it bleeds through the, through the pages of Scripture. And when you're really thankful, you can't keep it in. You have to kind of share that. It spills over in our lives. And that's why uh, we're told in the Scripture that the, the, if we remain silent, the rocks cry out. And the trees will burst forth in singing. And the mountains. And I realize that, that it's in a sense, uh, euphemistically speaking, but uh, the whole world should be grateful for the creator. All creation groans, waiting for the 
for the glory of the Lord to be revealed through his creation and really the redemption of us. So uh, you should be thankful. I'm thankful. And that should bleed through. I actually... I've had people sitting on airplanes before saying, why are you smiling all the time? You know, like, what's wrong with you? There's got to be something wrong. Well, I'm thankful. I'm thankful to the Lord. So um, the, the prophet Habakkuk, or if you can't pronounce it, just say Habakkuk. It's, it's close. And, uh, but in the Old Testament, Habakkuk was, a, was a, a fellow who prayed out and cried out to the Lord because he didn't see good things going on in the world. In, around him, he was a Jew, and he was praying about his own nation, and he, he cried out to the Lord. He said, how long, O Lord, will, you, uh, will your eyes tolerate the things that we're seeing? How long will you tolerate injustice? How long will you look on all the evil that's going on in the world? So basically, he was crying out to God, do something. And uh, that's in the first uh, five verses of that very first uh, chapter, and he cries out to the Lord. A lot of people could do that today. That prayer would translate well today. Oh, Lord, you know, we're kind of living in a, in a negative world, a critical world. There's, uh, I don't know if you've noticed or turned on the television, but there's a lot of negativity in our culture. Is that, you understand what I'm saying? Okay. All right. Uh, if you don't, then we'll talk later, and I'll explain some of your own culture to you. But, uh, <laughs> But so there's kind of this thing, and he's crying out. He's saying, it's miserable here, and people don't treat each other with respect, and there's all this evil that's going on, and you know, there was bribery and things that he spills over into later. Actually, God reveals some of that. And God says, basically, God's response to the next uh, six verses is essentially, oh, no, I'm, I'm paying attention. In fact, I see how desperately bad things are. And so I'm raising up a group of people, the Babylonians, who, by the way, the Jews hated, and said, I'm raising up this impetuous people. Um, their, their God is their strength. In other words, they don't believe in me. Their God is their strength. They go in, and when, when uh, cities decide they're going to set up ramparts, I mean, uh, walls against them. They, they build ramparts and they, they end up uh, overcoming every city that they come upon. And this is going to be no exception. They're going to wipe out essentially everything that's good here and bad. And they're going to just, you know, level the ground. Well, um, in essence, um, Habakkuk came back with the, uh, in essence, he said, what? I mean, that's, that was his uh, second prayer. Okay. In, in actual words, he said, oh, Lord, you can't tolerate wrong. You can't ordain somebody worse than us to be able to correct uh, the things. And so he said, you can't look on evil. He's basically now putting it on God and saying, I was asking for help, but not that. You know, that, that's, that's too tough. And, uh, and you're taking these people that don't believe in you, they don't love you, and you're going to mete out justice uh, through them. Uh, please, please know, this is just something you cannot do. And I think somewhere through his words, um, he came to the understanding or the conclusion that uh, it's probably not a good idea to tell God what to do. And just say, uh, you know, I don't like the way you're doing it. And so he paused at the end. Actually, the, the writer of Habakkuk ends up having a, a chapter break. But there's no chapter break in his, in his words. He just says, you know, I'm going to stand at my watch. And, you know, that's what the, the watchman did in the city. He would look for the, for the onslaught to come or the, the enemy, the adversary to come. I'm going to stand on my watch. Now I'm reading it. And I'm going to station myself on the ramparts. And I will look to see what God will say to me and what answer I am given to this complaint. In other words, uh, I know God's going to come back on me uh, because I can't outsmart God in this. So God basically goes into a long 
description, the bulk of uh, chapter 2 is then God coming back and saying, you know, you, you keep saying that those people are worse than, than, uh, than you. Let me tell you how bad things really are here. And so he talks about how people have taken advantage of others. They've killed. Uh, people have uh, stolen homes from people. Um, uh, the rape that's occurred, the abuse that's occurred, the bloodshed that is shed, and people are, are exonerated simply because of who they know. And the powers that be have uh, have abused the people that don't have any resource. And he said, and God essentially says, and of all people in the world, you should know better. I've given you the law. I've given you my presence, and you don't. You behave worse than the people who do not know me. And so, the Lord goes uh, through a long. Uh, it's way longer than the six verses. It's an entire chapter, basically reminding Habakkuk how wrong he is. So Habakkuk prays the whole third chapter, which is the final chapter of the book. He basically uh, tells the Lord, well, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, and I ask you to renew them in our day. And he says, I want you to make known those things that you have done, but I want you to remember your mercy. So now he's kind of softened his tone, and he says, okay, uh, you're holy, you're right, you're going to do the thing that's right, I know, but please be merciful. He's changed his tone from God shaking his fist at him. And how long, O oh Lord, must we look at these things? And to now it's uh, do what you're going to do, but please remember mercy. And he goes on and he talks and he recounts his knowledge of who God is and how powerful God is, but how good ultimately God is. And at the very end of, uh, the, of the, his uh, prayer, he says this. It's kind of like the postscript to his prayer. It's before he says, Amen. He says, uh, my, I heard and my heart pounded, and lips, my lips quivered at the sound, and decay crept into my bones, and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity. In other words, he knows it's coming, bad things are coming. But he says, I will wait patiently to come on the nation that, that is invading us. So I know God's going to make things right in the end, uh, even among the, among the people that are uh, bringing injustice on us. And he says this, he says, though there's no fig tree, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, the olive crop fails and the cr fields produce no crops. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls and you know, in other words, everything's taken away. Nothing is produced, you know, nothing in the stalls, no fruit to eat, uh, no grapes on the vine. He said, yet I will rejoice in the Lord my God. I will be joyful in God my so Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and he enables me to go on the heights. And that's how he concludes his uh, prayer. Um, at, at the end of the day, even in the diff most difficult times, the most difficult circumstances, here's a person who says, you know, praise the Lord. And the people I would hear say, I am so thankful for the, to the Lord for, for some of the most poor people I've ever known in my life. They're most uh, desperate, destitute circumstances, and it's the, it's the people. It, oddly enough... The people that I see that have the least gratitude have the most to be grateful for. I see that globally. So here we are. It's a missions focus and uh, on this day, uh, which is a great thing because the, the thankful people, the, what bleeds through the hearts of people that have gratitude in their life 
cultures are changed by people understanding that God is on the throne and that we're servants of his and it doesn't matter how difficult things are, we can live for him. So people are missionaries, essentially wherever they're at, in service of the Lord, with gratitude in their hearts, uh, serving him with all that they are. I can tell you story after story after story. Uh, I'll just... I'll just reduce it to this. The people in the, in the Middle East where uh, the Free Methodist Church is growing by leaps and bounds, more than your ministry family, has grown by more than uh, 2,000 churches in the last seven years in the Middle East. Uh, Muslims are coming to faith in Christ in the droves. In fact, I just found out in one of the creative access countries uh, that I can't tell you about or I'd have to kill you, but uh, we can't have it published or anything like that. But there's a creative access country where uh, Christian churches are not allowed at all. Uh, Christians are not allowed at all. And you can't uh, proclaim. Uh, we just in the last three weeks, we've planted over two dozen churches just in that uh, one country, in that one place. Uh, why is it? And it's all Muslims that are coming that we call them MBB, uh, Muslim-based believers, because they can't use the word Christian. If they use the word Christian, that's a political charge term, and they're killed. But they're Muslim, they're MBB, they're Muslim-based believers, and they're coming to faith in Christ. And you know why? Because they see the love of Jesus Christ in the lives of people, and they say, we don't get that in our religion. They're seeing uh, people that are being restored. Um, they're seeing people love them that they thought would be their enemies. And as refugees, when they step into, um, when they step into the environments with Christians, they feel like they're going to have some kind of harm placed upon them. Instead, they receive clothing, food, shelter, um, you know, friendship, and ultimately they hear the, the message of, of truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and uh, people are coming to the Lord in groves, droves. It's the fastest-growing part of the Christian church. Many people don't know that, but uh, it's part of the ministry that you have. Uh, all of the persecuted countries where Christianity is persecuted the most, um, there's an, another country I, I go to all the time. Marley and I were just there two weeks ago, uh, and I can't tell you where it is, but you're all wearing clothes from there. It's the most populous country in the world. But, um, um, but when we go there, the, the, the persecution against the church has stepped up so... Uh, by the way, you support a missionary from there. Uh, Keith Winslow, Keith and Julie are wonderful friends of ours. We see them there. He translates for me some of the time uh, when I'm when I'm in the country. But um, the the church is growing. The government has tried. Has said the church, basically has said the church is growing too fast. Too many Christians in our country, and they say it's a Western religion. We don't want it here. It always shocks people when I tell them that it's an Eastern religion. It's not a Western religion. Uh, Jesus was not uh, from Kansas. So. <laughs> that was uh, that was uh, the wizard. Um, anyway, so so you know the church is growing so rapidly, and people are coming to faith in Christ, etc. And there's this kind of uh, expansion. And when I'm there, when I'm when I'm there, and when I hear, and when I see, and when I look, I see people that are living abundant and fruitful lives for Jesus. And God puts them in the most unusual places, but they have come to expect that. Wherever the Lord takes them in persecuted environments, whether they go to jail uh, for their faith, whether they get relocated because of the circumstances that they're in, or whether the government makes them go underground and they start uh, spreading the gospel that way, uh, they realize that ultimately 
the Lord wins. And so we can be grateful for whatever the circumstances and they're grateful for the most dire circumstances that they find themselves in. So I praise the Lord for the fact that, uh, you know, we win. I've read the end of the book. We win. Amen. And so it doesn't matter. And the most grateful people I know you would say would have the least, what you would, uh, would appear to be grateful for, but it seems like the least we have to be grateful for the more grateful we are because the Lord fills all those voids. Um, GK Chesterton made the comment one time. He said, the person who has God and everything else has no more than the person who has God alone. And, uh, and I, we travel around the world in the places where you help serve. And there are people that have enough because they have God alone. And he has filled and satisfied every need. And so on this Thanksgiving day, where uh, we're thankful for the wonderful provisions the Lord has given us, let's start uh, with our thanks to the Lord himself. Because uh, as the psalmist said, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Amen. I want you to stand with me if you would. Heavenly Father, uh, we are grateful for the gift and the provision of life that you've given us. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being able to be here together as family on this Thanksgiving day. God, I thank you that uh, not just in the Free Methodist Church, but churches all over the world uh, with whom we collaborate, we're just seeing this marvelous movement of yours. Uh, It seems like the louder the world wants to scream against uh, the church or rail against you, just as uh, the world railed against you, Jesus, and hung you on a cross so long ago. And yet, Lord, this marvelous truth of of love of God poured out in our hearts through Jesus Christ, our Lord. God, we are grateful to the bottom of our, our soul. Here in Santa Barbara, where we have more than little, and uh, for which to give you thanks. Lord, we start by doing what our brothers and sisters around the world do, and that's we thank you for what you have provided. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming and dying on our behalf. Thank you for giving us new life. Thank you for being raised from the dead. Thank you for pouring out your Holy Spirit in the hearts of those who uh, believe in you so that, so that we can live our lives in gratitude. We give you thanks, Lord, for the goodness that you have provided us, not only in this church. And as TJ and his wife shared uh, earlier, Lord, gratitude for for people who have served well and, and the fellowship that we have. But, Lord, it's all because of you. And because of that, we give you all glory and honor and praise. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please remain in silent prayer for a moment? Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.